Welcome to Reset Your Career in Any Economy. I'm your host, Trika Jean-Baptiste. Today's topic is resetting during the COVID-19 pandemic and economic downturn. What small businesses and entrepreneurs are doing to maintain their businesses during this time. I'm pleased to welcome Constance C.R. White, award-winning editor, writer, author of How to Slay, and the best-selling book from the editors of Essence, a salute to Michelle Obama. Constance is the former New York Times style reporter, editor-in-chief of Essence Magazine, and fashion spokesperson for eBay. She was twice named one of the top 50 in fashion by the New York Daily News. Constance is presently the creator and founder of Official C.R. White, a fashion business website and consultant to major retail and publishing brands. Constance, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Trika. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. So how are you doing in the pandemic? Are you well? Uh, I'm doing well. I think I'm doing as well as most people are, which is to say that we are all a bit challenged and we find ways to make sure that we can still function and still enjoy life amid these challenges. Yes, that's so true. That is so true. So Constance, let's dive in. I am so excited to have you on and um, this is gonna be a treat for our listeners. So thank you for taking the time. So let me begin. You are, in my opinion, a fashion icon yourself, um, very well known throughout the fashion industry as the arbiter of culture. And you have truly reset the fashion business and more importantly, made fashion accessible to consumers. So please define for our listeners the moniker of Arbiter of Culture and the services you offer in your consultancy. Well, as an Arbiter of Culture, what I tend to look at is how can we find areas that are meaningful to audiences, to consumers, and as a brand, communicate with that consumer in ways that that matter to them. So it's looking at, to find out what matters to a consumer, you really have to study and delve into and observe um, what they're doing, how they're expressing themselves, how they're spending their time, and then connect that to the brand in a meaningful way. So um, it's looking at what's valuable to them because what should be valuable, what's valuable to the consumer should be valuable to your brand if you're seeking to make a connection with the consumer. Uh, So I think that's one way of looking at what I do. Right, interesting, interesting. And, And how do you get that intel, Constance? Um, It's in a variety of ways. I keep my eye on what people are wearing. I keep my eye on what designers are doing, um, who's being innovative, who is not being innovative but is extremely commercial, and how is that connecting with the consumer. I keep my eye on what's happening a little bit in art, 
And what's mm. happening amongst people, whether it's a person or it's groups of people who tend to set trends um, in mm. the culture, which then translate into many, many different areas of our lives from it translates into advertising, it translates into what sells, it translates into what we ask of our politicians. I mean, culture has such a, a strong influence on our lives. I also um, keep an eye on things globally. So it's not necessarily mm -hmm. anymore only in your home country, um, though local is certainly with COVID becoming more important again, but it's also what's happening in Nigeria, what's happening in England, what's happening in India, because those things affect what's happening in the United States and vice versa. So those are different ways that I, um, I listen to music, uh, keep in touch mm -hmm. with what's popular and what's happening obviously online in conversations. That is fascinating. So what you're telling us, it, there's just so many influences from you know, the economy to, to pop culture. There's so much that goes into, I guess, identifying a trend or, or style or where the industry is going. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very interesting. And so tell us about your journey to entrepreneurship. I mean, how did well, you get your start? Yes, um, I have been for quite a while working for companies um, in the mm -hmm. sense of an employee of a company. Mm -hmm. And so a corporate person, if you will. And that's really been very helpful to me um, since starting my own business, because then it allows me to have an understanding of how my colleagues and corporations, what their needs are and connecting the two things. I thought about, do I want to go back into corporate or do I want to stay in the entrepreneurship space? And, and quite frankly, I think I might be a little bit more of an entrepreneurial <laughs> person. Um, right. But it's come, it, that came more recently in, in my life. And yes, and I think part of my entrepreneurship decision also came from upheavals and necessities. Mm. Um, media has undergone a lot of disruption sure. and in the big business picture and in the in the uh, more local or personal picture, if you will, the my mother got very ill and subsequently mm -hmm. passed away. And that was a personal upheaval for me. And the good thing about personal upheavals, if you make them work for you in your life, is they really help you to reset. Yes. And so that was part of my journey after having worked for different corporations, as you know, some of them you mentioned, such as the New York Times, 
Hachette's where I worked for Elle and eBay and um, the New York Times. Uh, then it was time to work myself. <laughs> yes. Now, your background, again, is just so incredibly impressive and, and fascinating. And okay. I do remember eBay. So how did that happen? And, and yes, and, and tell us about eBay, because that, that was just groundbreaking. Well, thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned it, because it certainly was very interesting and was a big decision in my career. And it's the kind of decision I certainly urge others to make. When eBay approached me, um, the thought was that they were looking for a way to connect with the consumer. Um, and they, you know, they wanted to do a better job of that, connecting with the consumer um, in the fashion realm. And they were working with a really wonderful PR firm that was in fashion and, and beauty at the time. And they had put their heads together and thought about, well, you know what, let's reach out to an expert. Let's get an expert in fashion on board. Yes. So I was one of the people that they called in and we started talking and this had never been done before. And I was very reluctant yes. because if you remember at the time, eBay was, you know, it still had the sort of flea market branding. Yes. And, and also they were looking for a role that was not the role of a media person necessarily. You certainly had to have an expertise in media, but, you know, it was not something that they had done before. This was going to be a, a new position. And so because it was a new position, I had the opportunity to help shape what it was and give certain recommendations. When I heard what their goals were, I was able to recommend how we should approach this. And uh, right. you know, I got my kitchen cabinet together. I was very reluctant. I was like, do I really want to do this? Is this going, <laughs> you know, is this gonna like be the end of my career? Is this gonna take you know, um, a really a really um, terrible path, but you know, I decided to take a chance. The more I thought about it, I saw the opportunities, potential opportunities. So glad I did it. It it was an incredible journey to work with them, and so we were able to be extremely successful in attracting yeah. more consumers to eBay, in getting designers, building trust with the fashion community. And, and at the time, to outdo our major competitor, which was, this is like a test, mm -hmm. <laughs> <Aquid>. major <laughs> oh competitor was Amazon. Yes, that's and, right. You know, eBay had Amazon for lunch in the fashion area at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, now the tables have turned. Yes. And, and so, you know, there's certainly an opportunity for eBay again to, to get its dominance back or at least be more of a player. But um, at the time, you know, with nine years with eBay, they brought a number of designers onto the platform mm -hmm. who had never been there before. And that was about both identifying who the consumer would right. relate 
and it was identifying, it was building trust with the fashion business who agreed then to work with eBay. We, we had relationships, we built relationships with Vogue and all the major, major outlets. And it was really um, a groundbreaking time, an incredible time. And a lot of companies have since taken on people who are head of partnerships, which was yeah. part of the work that I did for eBay. They've taken on people who have become spokespersons for the brand in the fashion and lifestyle category and other categories. And, you know, that was very early on. We were also a pace setter in that regard. Mm -hmm. And these are things that are now, and of course, content building. These are things that are now part and parcel of the work of communicating with the consumer, differentiating yourself from your competition and building that relationship and creating that funnel. Sure. Right. That engagement, which gets the consumer to your brand and then has a consumer be engaged and be loyal, ultimately purchasing and building that consumer value. These are now all part and parcel of the digital fashion world. But I, I find they were not that- so much. I find it just fascinating and actually looking at your brand and again, uh, the title Arbiter of Culture, the eBay portion of of your journey fit right into your brand, to your brand message. That was brilliant. It did, it does. It's it's something, as I said, it's something that wasn't necessarily um, on my radar. You know, I always right. wanted to work at the New York Times and, you know, was was really honored and fulfilled and, and gave a lot to that company when I was there. Um, you know, but certainly it didn't occur to me to set as a goal to work at eBay, but it now occurs to a lot of journalists to partner with digital and and work in tech because now tech is of course a major player in everything that we do sure especially now in this period of quarantine especially now you know amidst covid consumer behavior is changing it has changed Mm -hmm. and it will change and i think the the smart companies are looking closely at how do we stay connected to the consumer now as they change, they change what is important to them. <clears throat> you right. know, to your point at the beginning of our discussion, it, the, what, the culture aspect of it has become even more important than before COVID um, because this consumer, the, it, we know it's consumer driven, the market now, um, but yes. this consumer has become such a moving target amidst COVID, mm-hmm. amidst the social justice movement, amidst globalization and digitization. We have to stay close to the consumer. The consumer is in the driver's seat. We've got to yes. find out and be totally connected to what he and she cares about and and to then um, to then execute 
around that in a way that's meaningful. I think value right now values in the sense of what the consumer cares about is going to be so important to the bottom line of cooperations, making that connection and then executing around value, I think is so important. And would you say value is a way is actually or leads into retention as well? Yes. Retaining the customer, retaining, and I also want to add retaining employees, right? Yes. Talent, um, big companies, your first customer should be, if relevant, your employees. Right, that is your first customer. And then, so retaining the talent, um, time, your talent is one of your differentiating competitive, um, you know, points of competition. And retaining that person, then retaining the customer is so important, as you're saying. Yeah. Because it goes, again, right to the bottom line of how much does it cost you to, to get that customer and then how much does it cost you to keep that customer? You're going to make so much more money if you're having a repeat customer and you have a repeat customer because you're able to retain them because you are delivering to them. You're keeping up with what's important to them in their lives. Exactly. What are they looking at in their world and reacting to? Where's their pain point? What do they need help with? That's true. So, you know, again, going back to your entrepreneur life, you also have a business background. I mean, you pivoted and and reset several times during your career, um, which is brilliant. And to all of us, just (laughs) seamless. (laughs) But you also have a business background. You have an MBA. Yes. Yes, I do. Well, you know, eBay pulled me into, I've always had a a sort of entrepreneurial streak, let's say, I would say running through me, even, you know, as a journalist, um, as I, of course, put myself now under the umbrella of content creator and what, so I bring a really rich mix to the table um, for delivering my work. And what I thought about when I I recently did the MBA studies is here it is, I have this incredible background of experience and and richness to share and unlock for for a company based on my fashion and culture background and based on my my expertise in that area and also my Mm -hmm. expertise in the area of media communication. If I could enrich that and understand better brands and branding and what investors and owners need, then I thought that combination will be golden. I really wanted to- That's smart. Thank you. I really wanted to understand a bit more about decisions, how decisions were being made in the C-suite, what was needed, you know, when you talk to, when I, as someone who can go in and speak to a marketing, 
a head of a marketing department, let's say, a VP, a senior VP of marketing, how can I help you do your job? How can I help you meet your goals? That was really part of what I wanted to better understand. And doing an MBA at Kellogg really helped with that. That's brilliant. And, And so as part of the CR White Consulting, group. Um, Your focus is who are your targets? What what is the overall goal in your consulting practice? My my targets are twofold. Um, One is I'm I target and work with corporations in media who need information, a lot of, I've done a lot of work with digital media startups. And the second target is people, companies who, or people who work in those companies, because at the end of the day, I'm speaking and working with people, but um, companies that need and are looking for information around lifestyle and fashion. So those are two, my targets, because those are where I can bring most value and help the companies unlock value. And what has happened with lifestyle fashion from the days of eBay and then continuing on to other clients um, who I've worked with, um, one of the things that has happened is fashion has gone from this siloed business, whether it's a national business or global business, which has become, to something that touches so many lives. So it touches so many lives in a cultural way. It, it informs lifestyles. Um, it's the way that women speak to each other, different kinds of women. Women define their tribes. Right. Um, via fashion and other elements, whether that's what they drink, how they do their home, uh, or, you know, even party lines. Women define their tribes, and fashion has become entertainment. It's become a way to express your person and therefore define your tribe. So fashion... Mm-hmm can be relevant, and what I do um, is relevant to a company. For example, right now I'm working on a, I'm working on a project which Mm -hmm. is travel related, which you and I have Mm -hmm. to talk about, by the way. (laughs) Totally (laughs) new to you, pre-COVID. You heard it here first, because it's not true. But a very good example is I'm working on a project which has to do with travel. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's twofold. There's a hotel and there's an island that amid COVID, we all know what has happened to travel during COVID, the bottom yes. has dropped out. And they want to get ready for 2021. They'd like an immediate shot in the arm. We're evaluating if that is possible and if it's prudent. 
But the bigger questions, they want to get ready. The bigger product too, they want to get ready for 2021. And I've been called to the table, called into the project to help with it because of my fashion expertise and media expertise. Right. And I'll leave That's it there. I can't, say, I can't say much more yeah. about it right sure. now. It's the formative stages. But it's to show, it gives you an indication of how fashion has become so relevant to so many industries. Yes. Yes. And to your earlier point, culture, just really understanding um, culture, the evolution, where it's going, and, and that's relevant to all sectors, in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Um, you are so right. That is what I do because it is relevant. Because if you, to continue with this case study example, if you will, mm-hmm. if if you are not understanding of who the consumer is for this hotel, for this island, who the potential target market is, what the cultural moment touch points are in their lives right now, then you're either A, failing completely at your goal. Right. Okay your bottom line, or B, you're leaving money on the table. Exactly. You're leaving money on the table. Because you are then not going to understand that, you know, here is is the art that this person, this potential customer likes, or here is what their interest is, how they spend their free time. Or here is their pain point, which might have to do with their kid going to college and what college do they want their kid to go to. That's a part of culture. There, you know, there are so many touch points that then become a way to, to engender loyalty because you truly are showing that you understand them. Sure. Right. And then also, because what happens, you know, there's a, um, there is a ad on TV right now, which I think is so powerful. And it shows one of the players, one of the NBA players um, in his room. It's for Michelob's really good ad. And it shows his footwear. And so you might think if you're not in touch with the culture of this person, the culture of your audience, you may think the most obvious thing to show there are sneakers. But yes, because they understood culture, or it may be accidental, but I would prefer to give credit. <laughs> There's some smart people in that room. Right. They hover and focus on his cowboy boots. That's an example of culture being very important to the story. Right. Bottom line. That's brilliant. Wow. And so, which brings me to a really important question, one I'm very curious about. In this age of COVID, what is the state of the fashion industry, in your opinion? 
Yes. The, the fashion industry during COVID is going through tremendous upheavals. It's really difficult, but there are some bright spots in it. And, and let me just talk about the upheavals first. First, the bad yes. news. Brick and mortar is shutting down at an alarming rate. Um, it just, it was already happening and yeah. COVID has accelerated brick and mortar um, shutdowns. You know, it's just terrible. And then, so you, you know, the retailers are really hurting. And when the retailer hurts, then the brands hurt yeah. because the designers and the wholesale brands selling into retailers, their goods have been canceled. Um, supply chains, by the way, are also under a lot of duress because then their orders are being canceled. The workers are getting sick, whether you're meant things can't get shipped. You know, it's, yes. it's um, a domino effect too. So it's really, they're really getting hit from all sides. There's going to be a huge shakeout of designers. We've had a wonderful renaissance of independent designers that have come about in fashion in the last 10 years, yes, a lot of them are going to get wiped out. They just cannot sustain it. And, and so you might say, well, what about digital, right? Well, <clears throat> there's bad news there too, which is that digital is, it's not a panacea. And digital is growing and has grown across the board, um, as we know, right. on during COVID. Um, but here's what's happening. In digital is the good news as well. There are only a limited number of categories that are benefiting from a surge in digital across the board, right? Across categories, across industries. Home is one of them, right. obviously, and uh, you may have heard. And surprisingly, we now have information, new studies are showing that Fashion is one of them. Apparel buying is one of the bright spots amid COVID. Um, more than 70% of, of people have said who are shopping online have said they're shopping for apparel and related fashion cate categories. Um, sneakers, speaking of, are a big bright spot online. Really? Yes, sales of sneakers have shot up even mm -hmm. more. Um, and that is probably because people are, are at home and it's leisure. Yes, and I think not both things, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think a third possibility is that it's, an, it's driven by a lot of generations and, but particularly the generation that is native digital, that is, you know, living online anyway, um, they are big sneaker buyers. And so I think that's part of it too. Right. The, I wonder to what extent this is something, for example, that um, again, we're, what we're talking about is, is culture here. We're starting to get a bit into yes. culture. Yes. Where I wonder to what extent the fact that the NBA is one of the few sports that we can plug into on television. They did a great job creating the bubble. Yes, so it's also did. helping to drive it. Um, we're seeing cricket on TV. Now we're seeing football on TV. 
We're seeing a number of items. Again, we talk about cricket, we're talking about culture. There's an American who's here, who just like any other American, purchases toilet paper and purchases t-shirts. Well, what if you understand that that American has either a nostalgic or an active interest in cricket? Because they're from India, because their grandparents are from India, because their parents are from India, because they're from the Caribbean. So here's where, imagine the retention and loyalty. And because now we have digital, we can do that in a cost-effective way and right. target and speak to that person. So going a little bit far afield here, but going back to the mm -hmm. culture and culture um, being so important. But back to, to fashion, the, the digital People are saying, studies are showing that consumers are saying that they are going to continue purchasing digitally. People who never purchased digitally to any great extent before, they're right. going to continue to purchase apparel. And this is really good news. Sure. The sure. challenge is how do you connect the challenge for fashion people? I'm going to be speaking to a fashion group this evening who does accessories on, a, on an event that they're having online. And the challenge, I'm sure some of the questions when we get to the Q&A part are going to be, how do I connect with the consumer? How do I get, assuming I can survive this COVID, how do I get ready for 2021? How do I make sure that I'm positioned, that I can rebuild after COVID. And so, right. you know, so that's some good news. And then the question becomes, how do I do this? And there are always answers. Some are good, right. some are not so good, but there are always answers to the how question. And, and to your earlier point about retention and engagement, I, I would imagine, and this is really a question um, for you, you know, we, we really don't know what 21 or 2021 will look like, but is there the possibility that engagement will look differently? You know, maybe that will somehow need to live online as well. Um, and, and I'm specifically talking about, you know, say, you know, in the accessory business, that one-on-one -on -one in-person trunk show experience. In, in your opinion, will those relationships now have to be redefined. They will. I, I think it gives us an incredible opportunity to figure out how to take digital tools. I think digital will become exponentially more important, not mm -hmm. only in the shopping that we talked about, because we're already seeing the data bearing that out, but how the designers and the brands can connect with the consumer, I think there's an opportunity for, for developers, for smart thinkers around digital to mm -hmm. think about ways that you can do, you mentioned the trunk show. Think, think about ways you can do the trunk show online in a more personalized way, because clearly 
the consumer has spoken and she and he want personalization and COVID is going to accelerate that desire. We're already hearing that when the biggest, when people don't like their, their online experience, shopping experience, one of the biggest issues is delivery. The timing of the delivery Um, it didn't come when it was promised. It wasn't contactless enough for their comfort. So I think solving, those are solvable problems. And I think as we solve them, we build our bottom line, you know, and, and the competitive edge will go to people who solve that. Um, in person, in person right. is still to be important. People are already talking about on a large sale, people going to the malls and parents being more comfortable with having their kids go to the malls rather than go to somewhere where, well, where are we? We can't, you know, we don't want to be in the, in maybe the, um, we don't want to be somewhere like perhaps a enclosed, more enclosed area sure. where, where the cautions, the precautions are not, being taken, right? This kind of thinking is going to go into 2021, um, I -hmm. believe. And so thinking about, you know, how parents are already saying that they feel a bit more comfortable with their kids being in the malls or they're in the mall with their kids. um, And that's a large scale. And then you think about at the very other end of the spectrum, people welcoming perhaps a one-on-one or a situation where it's a much smaller group and this is being fueled by both a need for personalization, like you really see me, it's into into, um, consideration. And at the same time, I'm a little, I'm a little spooked by the fact that we just went through, hopefully we'll be talking about it in the past tense. We just went yes, through a pandemic. I hope. So exactly. I think a lot of opportunities to, to, um, to have that bottom line, to connect with the consumer in a way that helps the bottom line. I think it's all about opportunity, but it's definitely going to take creativity and hard work to meet the consumer where he or she is. And then we haven't even touched on the importance of sustainability. Um, sure. Which, right, which, which is ongoing and I think has been a bit, you know, when you think about the fires, California fires on the one hand, it becomes more important to con- the consumer. But when he or she thinks about COVID on the other hand, sustainability becomes a little less important is what the data is showing for the moment. That's but it's interesting. Not, but it's going to be something that will in the long term remain extremely important. And I think, I think companies have to keep their eye on that ball because it also goes back to culture too. Um, sure. Long consumer retention and consumer loyalty. Well, uh, one last you know, my, sure. Fact, sure. The fashion question what's happening and so on is we're currently in the midst of shows. New York just wrapped up its shows. Really? This happened and Paris is happening right now, mm-hmm. literally as we speak and as people listen to this podcast. And we've seen how that's 
stimulated there, you know, people addressed it in ways that have been good and ways that have been less good. Europe, mm -hmm. I think has done a better job of innovating around the restraints, the restrictions of COVID. Right. Um, there are not a lot of live shows. Lowe's did a really smart thing in, as a company in, in New York, in America. And they partnered with designers to really mm -hmm. connect with the consumer. I thought it was a really smart. That program. is brilliant. And was that virtual? It was in person. And mm -hmm. then I'm glad you asked that question because it brings me to the last point I want to make on the fashion um, issue is it was in person. A lot of precautions were taken. Um, you know, it was mixed as to how successful it was, the actual right. in person. But the communications part of it is what I wanted to talk about and, and just touch on. Communications are just going to be so important, more important than ever. And what happened, the best of the shows included, and the program that Lowe's did, what made it successful was actually the marketing strategy that became about the customer strategy part of it. Like, how do we then, That's why are we doing it? We're doing it because we want to connect with our customer. We want to grow our customer base and we want to promote retention and loyalty. And right. that all came after, right? That was all a strategy that was designed on social media. It was designed in the print media. It was designed to connect on all fronts in terms of communicating what was happening, what Lowe's was doing with these designers. And it became a story about how can you live creatively, you the customer, and how can you make your home and your workplace away from the office more comfortable? Right. That is brilliant. It was brilliant. And so these are the mm -hmm. kinds of uh, programs that need to happen. And this is why communications needs to be bolstered by mm -hmm. brands as they come out of of COVID and move into plans for 2021 because communication is going to be more important than ever. And to, also to, partnerships to pardon? your, to your point, partnerships to your point, mm -hmm. you know, the, the example of Lowe's is brilliant because you have a captive audience. Folks are home. Um, Lowe's has done really well uh, during the pandemic. And so why not? Why not partner um, with another industry to create not only an experience, but an opportunity? Absolutely. And, and the communications, one of the other things that I was looking at that you um, asked me earlier and I didn't fully answer is as I work with brands, the other thing I'm looking at is how, exploring how do I create a platform which also mm -hmm. becomes another, because media from an investment point of view, I think is a really great bet because as we go into a digitized world, 
um, every study is showing it becomes two very important things. One, it becomes the way to communicate with the consumer. And two, it becomes the way to sell the consumer. Hmm. And so those are two very different things, but they both lead to the same place, which is to the bottom line of a company. Right. Right? But, right. They, but as, as we go through this incredible upheaval, disruption in media, I see great opportunity to create platforms and communication vehicles that are trustworthy by the consumer. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's what's happening too uh, in, with influencers and on Instagram and places like that. Um, that is why a celebrity, a celebrity is not immediately an influencer. Many of them oh. are obviously, but there has to be an authenticity and a trust. So consumers are looking for brands and places mm-hmm. of communication and platforms that they can trust. And relatable. To, yes, they're relatable, that they can speak mm-hmm. with, that who speak to them with their values in mind. That's that's really on point. And you actually um, answered my next question, which was uh, going to be, is this an opportunistic time? And you so brilliantly laid out your playbook. So it sounds like this is an opportunistic time um, for you, for Constance, and you know, based upon your experience, um, especially moving into the digital se- sector when you did. I mean, this is all fed into today. Right. I. I mean, I was just, I was absolutely so lucky, so fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and to to take the chance to work with eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, of course, I've just kept doing that ever since. You, you know, you, you would have to, you'd be foolish not to, to continue to be in touch with technology and digitization because it's swept two of the industries that, you know, I'm expert in and know most about, which is fashion and media. Sure. And yeah, so the. Well, it was groundbreaking and, you know, really set the course for, for others to follow. Um, So that, that was really incredible. And I I want to ask you, this next question is um, very relevant to what is happening today uh, culturally. Um, In a period of cultural reawakening, as I call it, um, this is an opportunity for corporations, I believe, to really think or consider how they may incorporate um, culture into their business plans for the very reasons that you outlined earlier, targeting or attracting new customers, clients, consumers, um, markets that ultimately lead to new revenue streams. How your body of work, 
how could you help these corporations? What would you say to them? Because this is such a unique time, um, as we all know, and an opportunity to do better. And this right. is beyond diversity. We're talking about um, infusing culture into right. businesses. And so what would you say to those corporations? I would say the most important thing is that thinking about culture brings the necessary competitive edge that I know that you want for your business. And how so? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The the heads of companies, executives at companies who you know are charged with the bottom lines um, at this moment, they're already smart and they already have a lot of data. And culture brings a competitive edge because there, while there's a part of culture consciousness which is data driven, also quantitative. A big part of it is qualitative, and it's the mm. qualitative part that is going to bring you a competitive edge. Um, it's you know it's when we go back to to stay with a couple of analogies that we've been using during this conversation. When you think about what Lowe's did, and mm -hmm. Obviously, I would guess part of that was data-driven, but a part of it had to be qualitative. And the impact that it will have is going to be, from a competitive vantage point especially, is going to be qualitative. There right. is going to be a customer who, a whole customer segment, for whom the fact that Lowe's partnered with, say, Jason Wu, um, who was one of the designers, right, is going to right. make that customer, is going to put Lowe's on the map for them, A, and B, sure. if they've already done a purchase from Lowe's a month ago or a year ago or 10 years ago, they're going to build, they're going to go back. They're going to build. Sure. That, and, and, you know, if you think about it as, if you think about it, let's for a moment dig in just for a second. We think about it as, let's say, convenience, right? Oh, you know, Home mm -hmm. Depot is closer to me. Right. Well, that's when you get, how does Lowe's compete? Well, how do you compete? You know what? She is going to drive an extra 10 minutes because, if we talk about it in person, the brick and mortar aspect, right. she's going to drive that extra 10 minutes because you've made a real emotional connection with her by partnering with Jason Wu, who means something to her because right. A, maybe it means something because she's Asian American. Maybe it means something because she's into fashion. Maybe it means something because she owns a Jason Wu um, dress. Sure. Yeah, but here's where you start to get these competitive edges and you we can do that we can get so much information now too with digitization we can get so much information about what the consumer really cares about um, digitally and then we still need information where it's definitely 
iterative and you have to try new things and be innovative. And then you've opened a whole new, a whole new vista because you tried something and it did work. And you realize, oh, you know, we really got to a consumer who we weren't able to speak to before or who we were speaking to, which is right. even more valuable. We were speaking to, but now we have their loyalty and their attention because we touch them in an emotional and, and, place. And so we really this were able is to bring really correct. And this is really valuable information. So how do corporations start? You know, obviously they need to reach out to you, but <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously it's obvious to me, um, you know, how do they begin? What do they need to do before they reach out to you? What is it that you would like them to consider? What I would like them to consider is what are your goals that that's number one what are your <laughs> financial goals and then what are your marketing goals and then what are your customer goals what has worked so far what's been successful for you and mm -hmm. if they have answers to those questions initially and then also where, where do they think they're stuck? You know, what are their pain points as well? Um, you know, I think those three buckets mm -hmm. of questions are a great place to start and what I would want to know first. Right. If you reached out to me. Those, because then we can start to talk about things like is within your existing customer targets, is mm -hmm. there a way to get in there and to have them become more loyal? Every right. person looking at the numbers, every executive, every person looking at the numbers wants that customer, want, they want to increase their customer loyalty. They want to retain the customers they have. The right. ride doesn't want the customers to go to Sprint. You know, that Correct. that's just worse. NFL doesn't want their customers to go to NBA. That's the worst. We, we don't want our customers migrating um, because, and the biggest reason is, A, you lose, but the second thing is, and the biggest thing is, you make more profit if you can sell to your existing customer. It, you know, culture exactly. is a bottom line issue. It's an absolute bottom line issue because it's about, I like to focus on retention loyalty. Like, yes, we want to start at the top of the funnel. So where's that other group that you're missing? That's another question that comes, you know, the company may have that question already, but certainly someone who does thing the kind of thing that I do comes in and helps you to a if you've already identified it like how do we get to them but b even more importantly who am i missing here identify you there's a whole exactly. target over here that you're missing and and the lowe's home depot is another good good example to use right there 
Right. You know, when these stores started discovering that, well, you know, we're missing women and that's still um, a driving point for them. It's too, while the customer major customer base is men, but there are a lot of women with a lot of money to spend in Home Depot and Lowe's. Oh, sure. Sure. That was actually a brilliant campaign. Very, very smart. Um, You're correct. And and so I I just heard um, in your answer, our new sort of buzz phrase in this period, um, which is is really culture. Um, What corporations ought to be looking at and considering um, and as a way to achieve retention and loyalty. So I, I think it's incredible in this time of the pandemic because we don't know what the forecast is going to be. So why not focus on that and now? Absolutely. We, we don't know what that's, you know, what's going to happen. And so this is a great time to, and the one thing we do know, Treek, I will say this, mm-hmm. is we know that it's, it's a time to really embrace the opportunity for, for repositioning for a yes. refresh, for a reset, <laughs> to your point, um, yes. for brands. That's true. That's yes. true. And that looks very different. Um, you know, coming from hospitality, uh, repositioning means one thing and one thing only, you know, and, and sometimes it's aesthetics, um, you know, not oftentimes it's as meaningful as what you've laid out, nor does it support retention and loyalty. And most importantly, being able to shift gears or pivot uh, exactly. quite easily. Um, so, but what you've outlined is far deeper than that, you know, because we're not only getting into statistical information, but understanding how people live and, and what they want. Exactly. We don't know. And our as an example of how much we don't know, and therefore we should, you know, have the right mindset ready and then have the right programs in place so we can pull levers quickly because we don't know what's going to happen is, um, you know, what if when you think about human nature, what if one of the one of the um, consumer behaviors is that, or feelings, let's start with feelings. Um, What if one of the consumer pain points feelings becomes, I actually want to believe that a number of things are as they were before. Right. Because I've been so upended, I need some tradition, some stability. Exactly. And how are we going to, as a brand, address that something which seems like he or she is perhaps do we look backward to address that or are there other ways is it a culture what are the cultural touch points yeah address that in a way that serves my business's bottom line and it's an element to your point of familiarity everything is is so uncertain and so unfamiliar you know, it, it's give me something that is comforting and familiar to me, yeah, even familiar. if it may have 
a different look, something, you know, I can relate to. And so you're so on point in this period in time. I think we all, every sector and industry ought to be repositioning and just getting ready for just different different lifestyles, um, different ways business is conducted. Because, you know, you and I have been through many of these cycles. And what I can say is business always returns, right? Yeah. But it's always different. There, right. It looks different. Um, some elements won't come back. But at the end of the day, there are opportunities. Yes. But behavior, demand, supply, it always changes. It always. And can I add one more thing? Sure. Okay. The Because with this part of the discussion we're having, too, is knowing that the consumer wants, I love that word that you, we mentioned that word, you mentioned that word on this conversation, comfort. The consumer wants comfort. And we are not going to, we cannot know what the future holds except by looking at the past, right? So there's right. going to be already a certain amount of comfort that companies can provide um, because, you know, we have no, we have no choice but to look at the past. And so while we're doing that, we it's like we have to do both at the same time, right? We have to right. innovate and look at what's new because that's the long-term success of the business. But we also at the same time have to be aware that there may be this need, this desire for comfort, familiarity, the comfort that comes from familiarity. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and so culture, you know, again, culture... Um, speaks to that, you know, speaking to what is it the consumer um, is needing, you know, what is he or she needing that then can be translated into our bottom line. And, and I believe it is critical for corporations to be considering that now, um, especially yeah. as we approach fourth quarter. You know, the last half of the year in every sector is always critical. It's always make or break. And this year is unprecedented. Unprecedented. So there Already is a call to it. action. Yeah. yeah. And they really ought to be looking at that. So tell me, what is next for, for you, for official CRY Consulting? Um. For me, two things. Well, I mentioned in the in the short term, I'm working on a um, travel travel project, and which is really interesting because it's it's again looking at the looking at how the bottom line can be impacted by culture, you know, within a, a marketing rubric. So. I'm working on that project, which is short term, because as I said, we're looking at what could be done immediately for the holiday and then long term, mm -hmm. looking at how, you know, perhaps it becomes building a, a tentpole 
for this, these two particular entities. And, and then I'm working on what I also had mentioned in mentioning earlier is I'm definitely working on and, and studying the feasibility of creating a, a platform which communicates with the consumer. Um, whether it will have an e-commerce component, that's part of what I'm working out to or not, or whether it will be <laughs> pure communication. Either way, it will really be driven, part of it will be driven by the culture touchstones that we've been talking about here. Sure. The culture conversation, which is always happening around us, but we take it for granted. Right. That's part right. of it. But from a business perspective, it's time to look at it more closely to unlock as a way, another way to unlock value. Yes. So and those, that's those so are, needed. Yeah. Those are two big things. And then I would say the third thing within the context of that is um, fashion, lifestyle, um, you know, fashion is now such a global, huge global business. And keeping abreast of it is is very important to me because it's very important for some of my competitive edge and competitive analysis to have a really close um, and an unusual window onto that onto that business, which can then help companies across the board. You certainly do. I mean, you've nailed it in terms of really paying attention to patterns as, as well as forecasts. Um, so that is really very valuable uh, skill set and information. Constance, what three things, if, if you can name three strategies or tactics um, you would recommend to entrepreneurs during this time um, that you've employed, what would those three things be? People who are basically trying to figure out, okay, this happened, um, what's next, where do I start? Sure. Um, number one, this, this jumps out at me, the number one is easy for me to answer because I think it's so important. I've done it myself and I've been telling people, sharing with um, people who have asked just to be sharing with clients necessarily, though mm -hmm. obviously I'd say clients too, is take the time to reset. Take mm -hmm. this moment to look into your business. Hmm. Look at what's working. Go, you know, you may have done a business plan if you're an entrepreneur, if you're very much entrepreneurial, small to medium-sized business, you may have done a business plan a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you've been successful or unsuccessful from a bottom line point of view ever since. But no matter where you are, you might be in overseeing a category in a huge right. corporation. And I would even say same CEOs, um, you know, take CEOs of big companies, take this moment to reassess, do a mm -hmm. 
quick top to bottom. A top to bottom doesn't have to be unearthing, you know, every God almighty thing. <clears throat> Do a top to bottom. I'm looking at what's the biz plan? What's the biz mission here? And then hone in on the different, you know, the different categories, financial, marketing, and um, supply chain. What, because I think this is such a great opportunity for two reasons. One is obviously it's just a, a change and there's, I can't even say there's less to do because for me there right. isn't, and I know for a lot of people there isn't less to do, but it's certainly different. And so take the time, there's more time that you can carve out, I think, to get this done, number one. And then number two, because there's been this tectonic earthquake, there are fissures, there's windows are opening on our businesses that weren't open on the business before windows right. that expose what our strengths are and windows that expose what our weaknesses are. So number one, do that overhaul, num that reset, that reassessment. Right. Number two, I definitely look at your customer, take the opportunity in this time to look at your customer very closely, depending on what size business you are, depending on what your, your um, responsibility in category is, who's your customer and look at them, make it granular, connect with them. You know, at the end of the day, there is a humanity to our businesses, whether we like it or not. We right. are human beings. So connect with, take the opportunity to connect with. Now, a quick phone call is much more appreciated, <laughs> whether it's a Zoom oh, call sure. or an audio call. So you can make it quick, right? And even sure. if it's the one call that you do to this person during the six-month period, um, it could make a difference. You don't know which one is going to. So connecting, the email, the calls connecting right. that's one aspect of the customer um the customer rethink if you will and then the second aspect of it is more of that analysis and uh, analyze your customer who is she or he who you know what do they need what is their pain point is their pain point the same has it changed what do they value where do we overlap in the value for the customer, what's valuable for the customer, and what we provide to the customer? So it's right. number two. I'd say customer, customer, customer. Get to your customer in a deep way. See what's going on. And, and number three, um, I would say take this moment because business talent is the most expensive part of business for most businesses by far. And because innovative solutions are going to be more important than ever, um, I would take this moment to open the door to new talent. Whether mm -hmm. you look at it as hiring them or you're looking at it as you know, hiring them as full-time employees or looking at consultants or looking at people who you didn't look at before 
to see what their ideas are, what their what their backgrounds are. Right. No, having that database of talent available would be the third thing that I would do. Having conversations with people and the kinds of people you perhaps did not have conversations with before. Well, that's very, very good advice, especially in this time of quarantine, right? When everybody yeah. is, is at home and online. That's so true. This is a great time to have conversations. And even if they're exploratory, um, because there could be synergies and, and opportunities. Right. That is terrific. So how can listeners get in touch with you? We're, we're definitely going to put up your information okay. on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, sure. I'll give you my business email, which is easy. It's Constance C.R. White, which is when I write, that's my byline as well. Constance C.R. White at gmail.com. Terrific. Terrific. And I'm also on Facebook, if you forget Constance C.R. White. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. And LinkedIn. C.R. White at gmail.com. Great. And you're also on LinkedIn. And so I'm on LinkedIn, connect. which I, yes. Which Perfect. actually, I'm pretty active on, so I'd say that first. And definitely for um, this conversation with... Perfect. Um, yeah. Perfect. With that group. Well, well, Constance, this has been a real treat and honor. Um, thank you so very much for this very insightful conversation. I mean, it was just loaded uh, with tons of good information. And I'm sure our listeners will be encouraged and inspired um, by your expertise, strategies, and, and, and forecasts. So I You're really want to thank you so much for that. You're welcome, Trika, and thank you. I really um, welcome the opportunity to speak with you and speak with your listeners and share with your listeners. And, you know, I have been inspired speaking with you today because you're an inspiration. And oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I really, absolutely, you're welcome. And I really do believe having these kinds of conversations all the time, but particularly in these times, um, are enriching for all of us and inspiring for all of us. So thank you so much for having me today. Well, thank you. We're in this together and, and together we'll get through it. So thank you so much. So That's thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of Reset Your Career in Any Economy. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Trika Jean-Baptiste. Be well and safe. Thank you.